So today we're beginning our sermon series, You're Killing Me. This is a bit of a heavier series where we'll unpack the heavy things we all carry but hardly ever acknowledge or talk about. But I hope you're able to see in each sermon that from our perspective, as your pastors and the people who get to come alongside all of you, we see what has you in its grip. And what's really not talked about is we struggle with those same things too. But there's hope. And that hope is what I want to share with you today, specifically when it comes to fear. So most of us have difficult before and after moments in our lives that help us divide up time or change. There's before and after a particular relationship, before and after a particular hairdo, before and after your first car, before and after you had kids, before and after a diagnosis. The list goes on and on. We even have these moments collectively. One of those that many of us share is um, 9-11. So raise your hand if you remember life before 9-11. Any of you who were born in 97, 98, 99, you can put your hands down. You're not fooling anyone. The rest of you can also put your hands down. I was in the fifth grade when 9-11 happened. And for some of you, I just inflicted a world of hurt by saying that, but please stick with me. I don't remember them saying anything at school about what had happened, but I remember going home for lunch, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and so I'd come into the house, and she'd have lunch all ready for us, and this time she didn't. She wasn't in the kitchen. And I walked through the house, and I remember her standing in the living room with her friend, and they were just staring at the TV. And I remember that moment so clearly, because for me, that's the moment that divides up pre-9-11 and post So I'm in the pool of people who remembers life before 9-11, and life after was very different. I don't know that we realized it as it was happening, um, but fear took us collectively as a society by the neck and began to tell us lies about our neighbors, our government, our safety, our security, and the amount of normal fear that people carried around went through the roof. Similar thing happened in the financial crash of 2008. Suddenly, fear was back to remind us that it could steal our finances, our jobs, our homes, our security, and our futures. Then in 2020, we went through it again. Depending on where you were living, your age, or your profession, your experience with COVID was very different. Some of you were locked down for years. Some of us were only locked down for a few weeks. Some of you are still locked down. You're trapped in your homes, afraid of not just an illness, but of the world as a whole. No matter your experience with COVID, the fear of the unknown became dominant everywhere. Whether you were afraid of the virus itself or afraid of how the people around you, including your leadership, would respond to the virus, fear was in the driver's seat for every single one of us. Now we're going through historical inflation and the threat of war in some parts of the world. Fear is back to remind us that it never left, and it can steal from us any time it wants. Fear exists behind so many closed doors, behind so many decisions, behind nearly every excuse. It's killing us slowly, or so it thinks. So what does scripture say about fear? Turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Many of you don't know me. You know Phil and the others, and they are all wonderful and amazing, but please use this opportunity with the new girl on stage to hold my feet to the fire on what scripture says. 
Don't just take our word for it when we preach up here. I challenge each of you to open God's word and read it for yourself. If you're using one of our Bibles, you can find the passage on page 130. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand and an usher will bring you one. If you don't own a Bible, please take one. It's our absolute pleasure to provide the scripture for you. So Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, a command directly from God. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. For context, God is delivering this command to Joshua. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, even just a little bit, or maybe some of those movies they play on the Easter weekend, you've probably heard the name Moses at some point. Moses has just died before this passage, and he died right on the cusp of the Israelites entering the promised land. It was everything that God had promised them, and Moses isn't going to get to take them in there. Joshua was his right-hand man and is now being tasked with leading the Israelites himself into God's promises. But it's not going to be that smooth. They have to fight uh, the Canaanites. They've got to fight all these other groups of people to get there and to claim what God has given them. It's a huge responsibility, and it's a weight of leading thousands of people. And these people have not been known at this point for following directions very well. So he knows what he's getting himself into. But God knows that Joshua could easily default to fear and lose sight of the good things God has for him and for his people. Fear is not a new thing. It's clearly been a human condition. We're going to go since the beginning of time, but we can even say just thousands of years. It's not a surprise to God either when we default to fear. In fact, did you know that the Bible uses the phrase or versions of it, do not be afraid, 365 times. God knows his children. He knows the things we struggle with. And it was never God's intention for us to be gripped by fear. However, the reality in our fallen world is that fear is not only present all around us, it is often an active part of our lives. And as I said before, collectively, we've all normalized it. It's allowed to be here. In fact, often now, we'll choose our friends, how we identify, how we vote, all according to our fears. We no longer vote for things, we vote against other things. We build friendships with people who simply don't like the same people we don't like. We cultivate social media feeds that underscore that we are right and those other people are wrong and out to do us harm. But before we go any further, let me be super clear. That's not the way it's supposed to be. So let's go back to our passage. Joshua commits himself to the Lord's plan. If you read the entire book of Joshua, you'll notice it's a series of instructions the Lord gives him. Even some head scratcher instructions. But Joshua obeys with courage and receives victory in return. In his final words to his people, Joshua reminds them, For the Lord has driven out great and powerful nations for you. And no one has yet been able to defeat you. Each one of you will put to flight a thousand of the enemy, for the Lord your God fights for you, just as he promised. So be careful to love the Lord your God. This goes for you too. He knows that it won't be easy, but he promises to go with you because ultimately he wants good things for you. He wants you to grow and become who he made you to be. He wants you to impact others for good. He wants you to 
it, it, it impact the whole world for good, but he especially wants you to experience life to the fullest. Fear exists by contrast to steal those things from you. Imagine the history of the Israelites if Joshua had given way to fear. So today we're going to expose some of those lies that fear tells us in order for us to turn away from the good things God is trying to lead us into. Because when we hear these lies and we believe them, or worse still, we repeat them or we hide behind them, we create a place for fear in our lives and it gives permission for fear to steal those things from us. Before we dive any deeper, let's get on the same page and unpack the word fear. So the English language in some ways has way too many words, and in some ways it has not enough for certain concepts. The word fear is one of those limitations. We have a lot of synonyms for fear. If you quick Google it, you'll see that you can use terror, fright, fearfulness, horror, alarm, panic, trepidation, anxiety, and worry. You can use all of those in place of fear, and people would basically know what you're still talking about. In the age of millennials becoming comfy in their adulthood, we often use anxiety as the word of the day to explain where we are being influenced by fear. Full disclosure, I am not standing up here saying if you have chosen to take medication or therapies for anxiety caused by brain chemicals or hormones or your season of life, that you shouldn't be doing that. I stand up here as someone saying, me too. My journey with fear and anxiety has been a drop-down, drag-out fight. One where I had to acknowledge where I not only had to get healing from wounds that taught me to fear, but I had to become self-aware enough to understand that my brain developed in such a way that I needed professional help to offset some of those effects, at least for a season. But through that journey, I was able to develop the tools to see when the enemy was trying to manipulate me or my life or worse yet, my family. And it's my desire today to share with you some of those tools and the authority that you, each of you as a child of God, has to let those things go and lay them at Jesus' feet. I say all of that to extinguish any voice or lie that would distract you right now from hearing the truth of what I'm trying to say. But back to the words we use for fear. The limitation in the English language is that no words we use to describe fear help us distinguish healthy fear from unhealthy fear. Healthy fear exists to legitimately keep us safe. It is that primal part of our minds that is on the lookout for predators or things that could cause us harm, and it tries to keep us safe from those things. Healthy fear is the acknowledgement of real danger to keep us out of harm's way as best it can. This healthy fear says things like, run away from bears, and it keeps us from standing in traffic, and keeps us from sticking our hands in the cage at the zoo. It keeps us back from leaning over the edge of the cliff too far. It's even why the Bible says we should have a healthy fear of God. God is not bad, quite the opposite, but God is God. And we are not. God is infinite and powerful, and we should not purposefully cross him. Unhealthy fear, however, is when our brain, in trying to keep us safe from danger, it goes rogue. For the sake of today's message, we're talking about unhealthy fear that creeps in and steals from the good things God has for us. One example of this 
and I'm nervous to even tell you this story, um, is about a year ago when teaching team came to me and asked me to preach. And of course, on the outside, I said, great, when? And they said, November 2023. And this was like November 2022. And I was like, I can do that. That's not a problem. Um, but on the inside, you guys, I was on full panic mode. Like, I have one year to figure this out. And because in my brain, I went back to third grade. You didn't know me in third grade, so let me explain. Um, in the 90s, they had this thing where kids could like write speeches and deliver them at the mall. We all still went to the mall back then, and you could go and have these competitions. And I was chosen to be a part of this special group at school where we could write speeches for fun, figure that out, and then go to the mall and deliver them. My dad helped me research the history of Winnie the Pooh. Yes, there's a backstory to the little bear that wanders around the woods, and I know it because I did all the work. And he helped me type up my index cards, which in the 90s was a pretty big deal. Everybody else had handwritten ones, and I had like these very sleek, very professional cards. And I dressed in my best, and I went to the mall that day. And I got up on the stage, and I got up to the mic, and I proceeded to deliver my entire speech in reverse. (laughs) Starting with card number 10, all the way back to card number one, I did the whole thing backwards. And this is the memory that comes to mind when your teaching team here at Ransom Church asked me to preach to you. My brain goes, you can't do that. You'll, you'll get up there just preach in reverse. They won't know what you're talking about. That's obviously ridiculous. But that's my brain going rogue. We want you to keep the healthy fear. Please don't leave here today thinking you're invincible and should not be healthily afraid of those things that can clearly cause you danger. Healthy fear is a gift from God. It develops through wisdom to help us discern and see the things around us that could prematurely end our lives or cause us harm. It was not intended to cripple us, and it was not intended to turn us against our loved ones and our neighbors. So where does this unhealthy fear come from? Why does our brain go rogue? As believers, unhealthy fear, particularly when we let it make decisions for us, is a response within us to whatever is happening around us to hold us back from the good things God has for us. It is an act of the enemy to hold you back and to hold back God's kingdom from expanding. That sounds extreme, but stay with me. The Bible clearly states that there is an enemy to God and his purposes and is therefore an enemy to us. We touched on this a bit last week when Pastor Phil unpacked the armor of God and its importance in fighting our spiritual battles and ultimately our greatest enemy, Satan. For those of you who missed that teaching, please don't conjure up images of what you think the enemy or Satan looks like right now. It's not helpful. Um... Because for most of us, what the enemy looks like in our everyday lives is the lies inside our head that hold us back and weigh us down. Those lies that we should fear vulnerability with those who love us, that we should fear the future, fear the outcomes of our decisions, fear the past will catch up for it with us, fear change, fear confrontation, fear the unknown. 
These are lies from the enemy. And scripture says in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief, talking about the enemies of God's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose, meaning God, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. A rich and satisfying life. I don't know many people that can say they are living a 100% rich and satisfying life. So it's probably safe to say that the enemy is stealing some things from us. Which leads us to a few questions. What are you afraid of? That might be hard to nail down exactly, so let me ask another way. And I'm not looking for you to shout out answers either. Just meditate with the Lord. If you weren't afraid, what decisions around your life or around your family would look different? How would your life look different if fear didn't exist? Take a moment to consider that. For some of you, maybe God's put a call on your life. Maybe he's asked you to do something. Maybe that's been to go on a mission trip. We had our missionaries here a few weeks ago. We saw some great testimonies from people from in this church that have taken that step and gone on those trips. Maybe the Lord stirred something in you that day that said, maybe that needs to be me. Maybe he's asked you to change your job or stay home with your kids, to homeschool, to move closer to family, to move away from family, to go back to school, to reconcile with someone you used to be in a relationship with, to start a business, maybe even, dare I say, plant a church or go with a church plant. But the fear of stepping out of what you know now keeps you from moving a muscle. That is fear. That is not from God. And that is what God means when he says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Remember, God wants good things for you. Better than you will ever be able to wrap your head around. They may be exactly what you dreamed, and they may look nothing like you dreamed. Ask me about that. Uh, But he simply asks you to trust him and follow him because he is God and we are not. And believe it or not, he's smarter than us and he knows us better than we know ourselves. But that's when fear creeps in. Fear says, no, we can't do that. You'd look stupid. You'd be throwing it all away. You won't be safe. You will fail, you'll cause a fight, you'll stir up drama again. Where's my drama stirs at? You won't have enough money, your spouse will leave you, you'll make things tense, justice will never be served. Here is safe. Where God wants you to go is dangerous and could hurt you. So you need to stay here and be afraid. But the Lord says, Be strong and courageous. I know that that's hard to hear. But he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. It's going to be hard, but he's going to go with you. You may not be enough to do this on your own, but he is always enough. 
What he's asking you to do may be feel huge and overwhelming, but he made you to be strong and full of courage. Do not fear. Which voice are you listening to? Which voice gets to call the shots in your life? Will you let fear kill you? Or will you let God move you? So where do we go from here? My hope today is once you see what God is saying about that fear, you won't be able to shake it. When we experience fear, if we can develop the muscle to ask the Holy Spirit what that fear is trying to steal from us, we can not only grow closer to God, but expose the lies of the enemy before they ever have a chance to take root in our lives. Often when we expose those lies, it's hard to accept them as truth any longer. Let's return to our original text. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This passage is not just a story about a leader a long time ago. This is a human condition that with a few names and locations, locations changed applies to everyone. So how can you identify the fear in your own life? And what can you do to stop it? I wish I could just say, do not be afraid. You're welcome. I'd be so rich. But no. <laughs> it's something we have to deal with head on. Dr. John Deloney, a mental health expert, when talking about confronting anxiety and fear, in a recent post said, don't run away from it. It's best if others go with you. I almost never recommend someone go alone. But know this, to truly heal from anxiety, you have to head into the fire, towards the things that set off your body's alarms. You have to be honest about the changes you need to make and count on it being painful. But on the other side of pain is peace, and you'll be free. You're worth the adventure head in. You cannot do this completely alone. You're going to need community. We say that about just about everything. So whatever that looks like for you, whether that's a one-on-one relationship or a group, we can help you with that if that's a roadblock. But you have to deal with it head on. You have to be honest that you're being held back. And you have to be honest about why. It's not going to be easy, and I'm probably not selling this very well, but it's 100% worth it. And you're worth being free of fear. If you, can't, if you can acknowledge that you're struggling with fear today, I want to make space for you to interrogate that fear and let God partner with you in the process of rooting it out and let Him replace it with truth. This is probably not a one-and-done type of process. This may just be a first step on the journey. In fact, I can guarantee it's going to be a journey. But as you forge new paths in your brain, you may have to return over and over again to this process. And each time you return, Jesus will be there to meet you. And that is a journey worth starting. I invite you to close your eyes for the next few minutes and place your hands open on your lap. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to ask the Lord to expose some of the fear in your life. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to give you some insight surrounding your fear, 
Just sit with your eyes closed and listen to see what he tells you. Jesus, we know you love us. We know that the truth is that you want good things for us. You are putting a call on each one of our lives because each one of us is here for a purpose in your kingdom. But Lord, we have things in the way. Fear is telling us not to move. Fear is telling us to stay where we're at and to disregard your voice. And today, Jesus, we say no more. And so, Lord, would you speak to each one of my friends that are here today? Would you give them the insight that they need in order to move the roadblocks that have been in their lives for so long? Holy Spirit, where is fear taking root in my life? Holy Spirit, what is the biggest lie this fear is telling me? Holy Spirit, Where has this fear stolen from me? And Holy Spirit, what is the truth? that you want me to see. Now continue to sit with your eyes closed. If you're new to the idea of having an open dialogue with the Lord, let me help you by reading some truths over you right now as you sit in this moment with Him. Psalm 121 verse 8 The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can ever be against us? And Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. Psalm 